Welcome to Annunciation with Father David. Father David is the priest at Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church in Decatur, Illinois, where every week people are connected to the ancient wisdom of Orthodox Christianity. Here is Father David. Christ is in our midst. Good morning. So this morning I'm going to go down a rabbit hole because there's lots of things to talk about today. We have our usual meditation on the Divine Liturgy and upon Communion. Uh, we have the Sunday of the Seventh Ecumenical Council. And because we're talking about the Communion hymns, I'm also going to be talking about St. John the Baptist and Psalms 110-111 and 111-112. So there's a lot of things that I'm going to be touching upon, so please be patient with me. By juxtaposing all of these things, we are going to make sense of it, but it's going to take me a bit, so have some patience. Let me begin with the Communion hymn. As I mentioned last week, every single day of the week has a different theme. And so therefore, the communion hymns change from day to day. The communion hymn that we're used to hearing on Sunday is not the same one that you're going to hear on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, etc. And today I want to talk about the one that we sing on Tuesdays. And Tuesday, the theme is St. John the Baptist. And the communion hymn is, The Righteous Will Be Remembered Forever. And this is a line that is taken from Psalm 111-112. And again, there's two numbers there because we have Septuagint numbering and we have Masoretic numbering. So what I want to do is, is take a little bit to read this particular psalm. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and righteousness endures forever. Light rises in the darkness for the upright. The Lord is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of evil tidings. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked man comes to naught. Now, there are some verses here where the story of St. John the Baptist meshes very nicely. For example, he is not afraid of evil tidings. St. John the Baptist stood up in front of everybody and condemned Herod and didn't care that that was likely to get him arrested and killed. And the story of Herod demonstrates this last line, the wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked man comes to naught. We read in the gospel and we hear in the hymns of the church how Herod's life is ultimately a failure. And the emotions that he has after killing St. John the Baptist is not victory or, or happiness or joy. It is a sad occasion. But then we have verses like this one. Wealth and riches are in his house. 
we don't normally associate wealth and riches with John the Baptist, who lived out in the desert, wore nothing but a camel hair shirt, and ate bugs and honey. This is not what the world would normally describe as wealth and riches. Well, in order to understand Psalm 111, 112, we really need to look at Psalm 110, 111. And the reason for that is these two are a pair. They talk to each other. You can't really understand one without the other. They're the same number of verses. They start with the same opening. Praise the Lord. And the last verse of Psalm 110, 111 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding have all those who practice it. His praise endures forever. And then the opening line after praise the Lord, Psalm 111, 112 says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. So there's a relationship here. So let's take a look at this psalm. Praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, suited by all who have pleasure in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and terrible is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding of all those who partake in it. His praise endures forever. So this is all about God and about the work of his hands and how the work of his hands is to be praised and to be remembered and that it is full of power. And then we talk about the blessed man. And the blessed man follows the ordinance of God, not because it's a burden, but because it's a grace. He gets to participate in that strength and that glory and that remembrance says, his works of his hands are established forever and ever. And then it goes on to say in the next psalm, for the righteous will never be moved, he will be remembered forever. So by obeying the words of God, we are participating in the works of God. We are allowing his hands to move in and through us. And so the wealth that this psalm talks about is not what the world thinks of as wealth but the wealth and riches that God offers through His grace. And of course, these were richly bestowed upon St. John the Baptist. Because as you see behind me on the iconostasis, the left hand of God is His place. He will forever stand next to Christ. Now, if we move to the Sunday of the Seventh Ecumenical Council, we recall that the Seventh Ecumenical Council was the one where they decreed that the icons not only were good and right, but were necessary to understanding who God is. Because if we said that, you know, it's not important to have an icon, and we didn't have any icons, then it opens the door to the possibility to say, well, that Christ never became a human being, because you have no pictures of him. And if you are not allowed to make pictures of him, then they really ever become human. And so in the hymns today, as we do whenever we remember the fathers of an ecumenical council, we sing in Orthros. 
When the choir of the Holy Fathers convened from every corner of the civilized world, they decreed into dogma the single essence and nature of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Notice they're not talking about icons. They're talking about the very nature of God. And so therefore, what the church is doing, it is juxtaposing the idea of icons with the idea of the nature of God and that the icon speaks to and defends the dogma that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one in essence. Because the icon demonstrates the fact that Christ is both God and man, and that as God, he can be one in essence with the Father and the Spirit, but also as a human being, take on our nature. And through the oneness of that nature, we get to participate in the divinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Notice that word participate. The Psalms 110, 111, and 111, 112 speak about how we participate in the works of God. And the icons and the ecumenical councils speak how we get to participate in the eternity of God. Because Christ became a human being so that we could have eternal life. And that participation in the wealth and the riches that the Psalms speak about now in context of the church are about eternal life and the very divinity of God. Because if we come around now to communion and how this all wraps together, we stand before the altar of God to receive the very body and blood of Christ himself. And that participating in the works of God, that work being Christ becoming a man, being crucified, rising from the dead, ascending into heaven, being enthroned at the right hand of God the Father in glory in order to be able to allow the Holy Spirit to descend not only upon us, but upon these gifts here set forth, we get to participate in Christ himself. St. John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn around to the altar of God. Turn around to the cup that is being offered because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Wherever Christ is, there is the kingdom. The kingdom itself with all of its wealth and all of its riches is being offered to you. And blessed is he who does the work of the Lord because we receive not just Christ, not just his divinity, but we receive the Father, we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the kingdom of heaven itself. And this places into context what St. Paul says to Titus today. He says, Titus, my son, the saying is sure. I desire you to insist on these things, to insist on participating in the work of the Lord, insisting upon the nature of God, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to apply themselves to do good deeds. These are excellent and profitable to men. That all of this, that the life that we live as Orthodox Christians, praying, fasting, giving alms to the poor, 
loving our neighbor as ourselves, loving our enemies as ourselves. Gathering is the church to partake of Christ himself. All of it is good and excellent and profitable to men because the kingdom of heaven itself enters into our very nature. And through what we do here today, all of mankind benefits. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever, unto the ages of ages.